Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare, a medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine. He is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, folks. Well, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. As always, it is a pleasure to be here speaking about our faith and really what's going on in our world, because that affects us as Catholics. You know, we listen to different things that go on. We try to live the best Catholic life possible, and yet sometimes that can get a little confusing. Well, hopefully here in the new year, we can clear up confusions, um, and we won't clear them up. We're going to get the help of somebody to clear them up for us, and you're going to see what I mean. Uh, but here at the top of the noon hour, let's go ahead and get started with the Angelus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, folks, we bring in the new year, we bring in 2024, and hopefully we bring in some peace. But boy, there sure seemed to be a lot of chaos, most notably uh, at the end of the year, with all this question about what are we doing as far as blessing same-sex couples? What's the Vatican saying about that? What's going on as far as is it allowed? Is it, is it not allowed? Is it mandatory? Is it not mandatory? <clears throat> so many different interpretations um, of this document, uh, Fiducia Supplicans, where there is some confusing language, needless to say. I mean, if we're going to speak the truth, uh, you know, it seemed to be something that was supposed to be simple. But there is confusing language, you know, when the, the Vatican talks about blessing uh, couples but not unions and trying to really uh, do a lot of verbal acrobatics and, and a lot of clarification. When something simple, it sure doesn't need paragraphs and paragraphs of clarification. But in this case, there was some confusion. How do we know that there was confusion? Well, all of a sudden you have so many different opinions coming out from our different prelates, uh, different bishops saying, nope, we're not going to follow this, and other people saying, wow, this is uh, opening doors in a different direction. 
Uh, and as we know, with the deposit of the faith, with our catechism, um, it kind of, you know, God doesn't change too much. God holds steady. Uh, we're not going to see too many changes in the Catholic Church. What we're going to see is hopefully changes in our heart, uh, changes in our heart to see the truth that Christ brings us um, and the truth that the church has always proclaimed. So it's not so much a matter of asking God to change. It's asking uh, God to change our hearts so that we can see him and see what he's really talking about. Now, the Vatican did come out and clarified and said, you know, this is not mandatory. Uh, bishops do not have to follow this. Uh, this is uh, individual, it's pastoral blessings. But so many people were confused on, um, you know, gosh, what church teaching do you base this on? Is this a brand new, why Why do we have a brand new blessing, actually? This is a whole new blessing. It wasn't, we've always been allowed to bless individual people, regardless of what their, you know, nobody inquires about your moral life. If, I, if somebody goes up to a priest and says, Father, please give me a blessing, uh, nobody, I don't know, any priest that says, well, let me inquire into the morality of your life. Let me see how many sins you have or don't have before I give you a blessing. Not usually the case. You know, obviously, if somebody goes up to a priest and says, hey, you know, Father, I'm going to go rob a bank. Can I get your blessing on that? He's probably going to say, no, I don't think so. Um, you know, what's the purpose of the blessing? And that's really what the question was with this controversial document is, what's the purpose? You know, you're trying to bless couples. You're trying to not bless unions. You're trying to talk about irregular relationships and, um, you know, you have to start off the document with uh, specifying how this doesn't change anything, but then the rest of the document goes on to say, well, it kind of does change a few things. You know, it's an interesting document to read, and people who try to defend it will say, gosh, I read it, you know, line by line. The document, uh, the church is not saying that anything has changed. But when you really read it correctly, well, it's why, if nothing's changed, why do we have the document? You know, what's the purpose of bringing out this document if there is no change? Why not just say, keep blessing people the way you've been blessing people? You know, obviously, you got to ask yourself, we have to ask ourselves as discerning Catholics, what's the point? You know, ultimately, the truth doesn't change. Christ doesn't change. Um, I think we will always be able to bless individuals. That's never changed. Uh, and really, more than anything else, we need to kind of uh, clarify this because, if there's this much confusion, we got to ask ourselves, is this of the Holy Spirit or not? Because that's what it comes down to, right? I mean, we're trying to follow Christ. We're trying to follow uh, God. We're trying to just be follow the doctrines of the Catholic faith, which we believe will get us to a place in heaven, eternal bliss with God. We're trying to make sure that we stay within the parameters that God uh, gave us and God blesses us with. Uh, and I think that that's really the crux of it. It's it's not people trying to fight uh, the Vatican. It's more saying clarification. And we know that when something is uh, right, when something sounds truthful in our hearts, when something settles and it's peaceful, it comes from the Holy Spirit. And there's not a whole lot of peace in this document. Then I think we need some help. I think we need to get the Holy Spirit in uh, and involved. And I think that this year, that's what we're going to focus on here. We're going to really focus on where is the Holy Spirit leading us? You know, sadly, a lot of times 
the Holy Spirit is known as the forgotten part of the Trinity. You know, we talk about God the Father, God the Son, and then the Holy Spirit kind of gets off to the side. We don't really talk about the Holy Spirit much. We don't realize that Christ told us, hey, I'm going to be going back up to heaven, but I am sending you some help. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, and he's going to be there to help you, to aid you. He's an advocate. But do we even really know who the Holy Spirit is? Do we make an effort to pray to the Holy Spirit? Or do we just, you know, normally say, do the sign of the cross, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? Uh, do we say our prayers to the Holy Spirit? Do we think about the Holy Spirit working in our lives? Um, you know, it's not always easy to do. You know, we we have so many different devotions in our in our Catholic faith, and we're so rich in devotions that sometimes we can probably drown in devotions. You know, we start praying, have so many devotions to different saints, and we do different novenas, and you know, we pray our rosary, and we pray so many different things. Do we give the Holy Spirit his rightful place as the third person of the Trinity? Remember, it would be the third person of God. Um, is the Holy Spirit God? Yeah. It would be the third person, but we don't talk about the Holy Spirit much. I kind of want to focus on the Holy Spirit um, a little bit more this year, uh, especially if we're going to go through things like the catechism. What does the catechism really say? You know, it's not easy to uh, be Catholic and to hold on to the truths of the Catholic faith without feeling a little bit thrown off when we start to see things on the news, when we start to see things, people say different things and argue different things and say, you know, start accusing each other. If you're not following the magisterium and you're not following that, well, the reality is the one person we need to follow is just God. Well, the three persons of God, we need to follow the teachings of Jesus Christ. We start reading our scriptures. We look at the Old Testament. We see we got the, we hear the words of God the Father through the Old Testament. We see what Jesus Christ tells us himself as he becomes the incarnate second person of the Holy Trinity um, and see what he has to say and the truths we have to follow there. And then after his ascension into heaven and we have Pentecost, I don't know that we have truly, truly stopped to listen to the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? What is he supposed to be doing in our lives? How can we turn to the Holy Spirit, especially especially in times of confusion. We never want to be at odds um, with the Holy Father when it comes to teachings, magisterial teachings. We never want to be at odds with the dogmas of the church. Can doctrine change? Sure, doctrine can change if we are illuminated by the Holy Spirit. I think that if the Vatican comes out with a decree or a mandate or a new uh, way of being pastoral, and it's gone through the proper channels, through the proper uh, committees, and different people have voted on it, and the cardinals have gotten together to pray about it, then, you know, we can feel pretty good that, you know, this is leading us in the right path. The hard part comes when it sounds like a document comes out, and we're not exactly sure what's going on. We're not exactly sure where it's leading us. Well, folks, you know, I think we're going to have to start to focus a little bit on who is this Holy Spirit who can guide us, illuminate us, and show us the right way, the teachings of, or how to interpret the teachings of the church, how to clarify our minds and bring peace to our hearts. Well, I know that we're going to be coming up on the break soon, but when we come back from the break, we're going to look at who's the Holy Spirit, how we're going to use them in our lives. We're also going to look at good prayers to the Holy Spirit uh, that hopefully can come, um, that we can use throughout the year. That we can say, hey, that's pretty good prayer. 
All right, folks. Well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. Today, we're talking about bringing in the new year here with a renewed interest in the Holy Spirit. What's going on with the Holy Spirit? I got a feeling that this year, the Holy Spirit's going to be working extra hard to help clarify any confusions, to help us um, continue to feel peace in our hearts as we move towards um getting closer to Christ. Really, that's what it comes down to. You know, if nothing else, what am I doing in my life to get closer to Jesus Christ? What am I doing to be better disposed to receive the Eucharist? What am I doing to really say, you know, Lord, I am here for you and to follow your will and not my own and to make my will your will is really what it comes down to. Hopefully the Holy Spirit will guide us in that way. And that way, any confusions, any uh, changes what might appear to be changes in doctrine or what might appear to be um, confusing uh, articles coming out of of uh, Rome will hopefully just be, you know, something else that we say, well, that's interesting, but I'm going to let the Holy Spirit guide me through this one. Well, let's start with a prayer to the Holy Spirit. This is a very common prayer to the Holy Spirit, um, and it's a good one. So something that we can use throughout the year, we'll say in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever enjoy his consolations through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Notice, you know what I love about this prayer? It's a beautiful prayer for multiple reasons, but if we break it down, the very first part, we're already opening our hearts and saying, come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful. What we're really saying there is our hearts are open, but they're open to the Holy Spirit. We're making a declaration that we're saying, Holy Spirit, you, I want you to fill my heart. Why is that important? Well, let's look at this from a psychological, from a pure mental perspective. We can open our hearts to so many different things in this world. Unfortunately, when we sin, we open our hearts to sin. You know, we allow uh, evil to come into our hearts, or we, shall we say, push out the good, uh, whichever way you want to look at it, depends on what we're doing. But in this case, it's a very specific prayer asking the Holy Spirit to enter our hearts. It's predisposing us. It's making us say, I want to be filled. I want to be, remember in the, in the scriptures, we know that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. Our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. And I'm reaffirming that. I'm saying, hey, I'm going to open up my heart to you, Holy Spirit. Why? Because all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit changes things. It gives us new perspectives. It brings us peace. The Holy Spirit will guide us. How do we know that? Because look at the second part of the prayer. And this is really the part that I want us to focus on is, because by the light of the Holy Spirit, he instructs the heart of the faithful, grant that by the same Spirit, we may be truly wise. I think that's the key right there. You know, so many different, you're going to hear so many different things. I see so many Catholic wars going on with different uh, podcasts, different shows, and people bickering back and forth. And at the end of the day, what good is that going to do uh, me in terms of my heart, in terms of trying to get closer to Christ? I want to be truly wise in Christ. And if I just pray to the Holy Spirit, I can block out so much negativity and just realize, hmm, you know, what's important? What's important is to keep speaking the truths of Christ. But let's look at this. I found this article just random. I was just going to speak about the Holy Spirit and 
happened to find this article, a very recent article, is December 13, 2023, and it's just titled The Appropriate Names of the Holy Spirit. I figure if we're going to get to know somebody, usually we meet somebody and we say, hi, nice to meet you. What's your name? I need to know who you are. It tells me a lot, right? And we know that names are powerful. We know that in deliverance sessions, we're always asking, you know, evil spirits what their names are because they gives you a certain um, authority over the person if you know their name. Well, God gave us his name in the Old uh, Testament, and Jesus, we know Jesus by name. We have a God who has wants to go into a full relationship with us. We know their names. Well, what is the name of the Holy Spirit? Let's look at this article. I think it's actually a pretty good article. Um, it's based on excerpts from a book. I have not read the book, so I cannot necessarily recommend it. I'll give you the title. It's called The Great Unknown. It's by Antonio Royal Marin, and it's The Holy Spirit and His Gifts. Um, so it should be an interesting book. I'd like to read it uh, and then give a little more commentary on it. Not sure if it's, I uh, can't, can't necessarily recommend it wholeheartedly just yet, but I think this is interesting. I think it looks pretty good so far, just because it already starts to break down who this Holy Spirit is. Let me read this article for you. It says, Tradition, the liturgy of the church, and sacred scripture itself have given the Holy Spirit many names. Well, like I said, folks, it's always good to know who we're talking to, who we're praying to, and we're saying Holy Spirit. He is called the Paraclete Spirit, Creator Spirit, Spirit of Christ, Comforting Spirit, Spirit of Truth, Virtue of the Most High, Advocate, Finger of God, Guest of the Soul, Seal, Union, Link, Bond, Kiss, Living Foundation, Fountain, Fire, Spiritual Anointing, Most Beatific Light, Father of the Poor, Giver of Gift, Light of Heart, and so on. Well, folks, in so many different names. One of the interesting things is when we start off the show here at the noon hour, we always pray the Angelus. And what is that uh, prayer to the Angelus? You know, the angel Lord declared to Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can obviously do many, many things in our lives, being God. What a miracle. If the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, wants something to happen, it's going to happen. Why? Because God the Father is directing it. Uh, you know, we always say, who's the Holy Spirit? Well, it's usually taught as... It's the love between the Father and the Son personified. The intense love, the love between the Father and the Son is so intense that it is personified. In the sacrament of matrimony, it's equated to the children, that a couple love themselves so much that out of their love, out of the passion of their love, out of their wanting to be united as one, all of a sudden there is a third person that is formed out of both of them. You notice the children are going to represent both of their parents. They're going to carry the genes of both of their parents, the love of the Father in heaven, the love of the Son, Jesus Christ, united, transforms into a person. That's how powerful that love is. Well, let's see what these names are. Let's break down a few of them. In this article, it breaks down, uh, let me see here, 10, 11 names. So let's go through and just see what these names are. Let's get to know the Holy Spirit a little bit. This is important. This is important to us. From a, I would say from a psychiatric perspective, very important. It's good to know who you're talking to. It's good to know who your friends are. And really more than anything else, what you, how our friends can help us out. How many times do we go to a friend and we say, gosh, you know, I need some help. I don't know what to do. I, you know what? Man, let me ask this friend for help. See if they can do something for me. Well, if God wants to know our names, he's going to call us by name and he teaches us his names. It tells me that he wants to have that kind of personal friend relationship with us. All right. 
Let us briefly examine the foundations of these names appropriate to the Holy Spirit. So let's see here. The first one is the paraclete spirit. Jesus himself uses this expression alluding to the Holy Spirit. Some translate it by the word teacher because Christ himself says a little later that he will teach you all things. And that's in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 26. It's interesting because, yeah, paraclete, it's an interesting word. Um, it can be translated as teacher, and it is a great deduction, as Jesus himself said, he will teach you all things. The question I would have is, are we ready to learn? You know, how many times do we show up? I always find it interesting to go into education. I love teaching. I loved being a teacher. Uh, before I went into the medical world, I was a high school teacher. I used to teach sciences and math. And what I loved about teaching at the high school level, which is very different than the college level, is that when you get to high school, you know, you're you're squirrely enough as a high school student that you realize you don't know everything and you're willing to learn. Um, that's a great place to be. Then all of a sudden you get to college and I realized a lot of the classes, um, it wasn't so much, you know, the students would show up. And a lot of times it was more a challenge to the teacher or it was more the, instead of the questions being asked about, hey, I want to learn this, it was more commentary or questions that might make somebody look smart. You know, as we start getting a little bit older, a little bit ahead of ourselves, a little bit of knowledge, uh, as they say, you know, uh, a lot of knowledge is good, a little bit of knowledge is dangerous. It was kind of like that sometimes where I realized, you know, some people just come to class and what they really want to do is show off how smart they are. They don't, they're not ready to learn. Well, what I like about this is that if the paraclete is the teacher, the Holy Spirit is the teacher, I have to predispose myself to be a little bit more of a squirrely, I don't know kind of what's going on, um, junior high, high school kind of kid uh, who's saying, okay, well, let's learn. You probably have something to teach me. Uh, I don't know everything. I might have to take a test, so I better study and I better learn. And I'm just going to rely on my teacher. So let's see here. Some people say that others translate the word paraclete as comforter because he will prevent the apostles from feeling orphaned by the gentleness of his consolation. That's kind of nice to see. And that's in John chapter 14, verse 18. And then it says others translate the word paraclete by advocate who will plead for us in the words of St. Paul with sighs too deep for words. So that's interesting right there. You know, the word paraclete can be translated into a few different things. It can be teacher. Uh, so am I open to being taught? It can be comforter. Um, because I like that. You know, he prevents the apostles from feeling orphaned by the gentleness of his consolation. Remember, the Holy Spirit came to the apostles at Pentecost, a time where they were very scared, where they were feeling very alone. And our Lord had already gone into heaven. Uh, he had already gone back to the Father. The ascension had already taken place. I could see how one would feel orphaned or how one would feel alone, because then they say, Christ, where are you? You're gone. What am I supposed to do without you? It was easy to follow you and to say, hey, I'll follow you wherever you go, Christ, and you keep teaching us, and we'll we'll come after you, and we'll see how you perform miracles, and you're in charge, and all of a sudden Christ is gone. It's like, wait a minute, you expect me to do that? How am I going to do that? Well, the Holy Spirit is the one who comes and says, Hey, relax, you can do this. And that's an important part to have. You know, God knows us very, very well. He created us. He knows what we're like as human beings. He knows kind of what makes us tick, if you will. Um, but the interesting thing is that 
we need that comforting. That's just a human nature thing. It doesn't matter really what profession you're in, whether you're uh, the heights of a PhD, whether you're in the medical profession, whether you're, you, we're still dealing with human beings and human nature, which means that no matter where we are, we need comforting. So even if you reach to the levels of the Pope, God, pray for our Pope, because when you reach to those levels, you're going to need extra comforting by the Holy Spirit. There's no question about it. Lastly, it said that the paraclete can be uh, translated into the word advocate. In other words, somebody who's going to help us, somebody who is going to plead for us. And we got to remember, we're going to look at this down the road. Um, there is a time, I know a lot of people get scared when they think, oh, what if we pass away? What if we die? What am I supposed to say before the throne of God? Christ says, don't worry. You're not going to have to worry about what to say or think about it. The Holy Spirit will instruct you. He will help you. He will be your advocate. He will be your help. And that's really, really comforting. That's good to know overall. Well, folks, there's going to be a few more names coming from this article that we're going to look at when we come back from the next break. Um, in the meantime, open our hearts to the Holy Spirit. Let's see what the Holy Spirit has to tell us. Um, a few more prayers to the Holy Spirit, which are actually beautiful here as we come into the break. Uh, let me find a short one so we can find a good one. Here. Um, you know, we'll do it after the break, folks. All right, folks. Well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. We're here getting to know the Holy Spirit a little bit more today. Um, you know, so important that we don't forget the third person of the Trinity. I think this year I want to focus it. For me, it's going to be a year of the Holy Spirit. I want to do more holy hours. I want to spend a lot more time in front of the uh, Blessed Sacrament as much as possible. Even if I can sneak in five minutes here, 10 minutes there, you know, a lot of times we say we're going to do a full holy hour. Uh, the reality is, you know, sometimes if you have a good friend, you get to see them just for a few minutes and, and those few minutes really count uh, because you made that extra effort, you know, out of your time. And I think Christ recognizes that. As I do that this year, for whatever reason, don't ask me why, I'm just inspired to say, hey, I need to get the Holy Spirit a little bit more. I got to say, it's probably because there was so much confusion at the end of last year. But here, here's a beautiful prayer, act of consecration to the Holy Spirit. As we get to know the Holy Spirit, it says, Dear Holy Spirit, you are my friend. I give you myself. I ask you to dwell deeply inside of me and make me holy. I want to know the fire of God's love. I want to love God with all my heart. Amen. Simple prayer, very powerful. You know, if I recall correctly, one of our uh, Supreme Court justices uh, was accused, shall we say, that the dogma lived loudly within her. Well, that reminded me right now because we're asking the Holy Spirit to dwell deep inside of me and make me holy. I hope that the dogma lives loudly within me. So, a few of the names of the Holy Spirit. The first one we looked at was Paraclete, and we said that that can mean the teacher, it can mean the comforter, and it can mean the advocate. Well, let's look at number two, the creator spirit. It says, Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is a creator spirit, says St. Thomas is the principle of creation. Where did creation come about? The love of the Father and the Son, their Holy Spirit, their personified love is what created us. The reason is that God creates things out of love. See, that's very good. The article says that, and love in God is the Holy Spirit. That is why the psalm says, when thou sentest forth thy spirit, they are created. 
you know, a lot of times, this is so important to consider. A lot of times people feel alone or they feel like they don't know what's going on in their lives or they wonder, does God love me? Do they, they wonder, why was I created? And what we forget is that God loved us even before he created us. We were created out of love, not the other way around. You know, a lot of times for us, we need to, in order for us to fall in love with something, we need to get to know it. God already started with the love part. And he says, I'm already going to love you. And now I'm going to create you. The love is already there. It's understood. That's why God loves us unconditionally. You know, this is where God says, there's nothing you can do that will stop me from loving you because I loved you before you were even created. The love was already there. It can't change. For us, it's a little bit different. If I meet somebody on the street and somebody were to come up to me and tell me, oh, Dr. Sandoval, I love you. I'd say, you don't even know me. You know, it's kind of weird, you know, our human nature is such that, I shouldn't say weird, that's just our human nature. I can't, if, if my daughter were to tell me, oh, dad, I'm in love with this guy. I just met him. I'm in love with him. I'd say, you don't know what you're talking about. I don't think you're in love with him. Uh, I don't think, because you don't know him yet. The difference is God starts with love, you know, and if he starts with love, then anything he creates, he's going to love no matter what. And that love will never change. That's beautiful to think about because our creation came out of his love and that love is the Holy Spirit. It is the love between the Father and the Son. That is why he is the creator spirit. Anything that's created is through the Holy Spirit. The other name is the Spirit of Christ. The Holy Spirit completely filled the most holy soul of Christ. This is in Luke chapter 4, verse 1. In the synagogue in Nazareth, Christ applied to himself the following text from Isaiah. Yeah, this was a, this was a powerful gospel. It was a beautiful reading. This is what Christ says. He says, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. That was in the book of Isaiah, and if we recall, if we look at Luke uh, chapter 4, we're going to see that Christ was actually reading from the Old Testament. Same Old Testament we're reading from, that's the what God was reading from, tells us that is the Word of God. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. St. Paul says that anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. That's in Romans chapter 8 verse 9. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit who dwells in you. And that is Romans 8, 11. So the spirit of Christ is the Holy Spirit. Obviously, it can't be anything else, right? The love between the Father and Christ, the Holy Spirit is the driving force there. It's what's, what's created. It's what's created. It's the driving force. It's everything around the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. Here is something that I'm glad that this article touched on, because this is one of the powerful things of the Holy Spirit. If the, It's the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus. Remember, why did Jesus rise from the dead? It was through the power of the Holy Spirit. No different than why was our, how did Our Lady conceive our Lord? It was through the power of the Holy Spirit. There's no question about it. That's how that's how it happened. The Holy Spirit is the driving force behind creation, behind our being able to rise from the dead, um, behind raising Jesus from the dead, behind the consecration of Christ, uh, the, excuse me, the conception of Jesus Christ in Our Lady. It's the Holy Spirit was the driving force of that. It's the love between the Father and the Son who allows this to happen. The next one, he is also known as the Spirit of Truth. This is an expression of Christ himself applied to the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither, neither sees him nor knows him. And that's in the Gospel of John 14, 17. According to St. Cyril and St. Augustine, 
it means that the true spirit of God and is opposed to the light of the spirit, it is opposed to the light of the spirit of the world to deceitful and fallacious wisdom. Well, this is what's important to consider. And this is what I mean by at the end of this last year of 2023, so much confusion, you know, so much deceit, fallacious wisdom, a lot of people out there trying to sound philosophical when really they're just kind of being equivocal to things and being more of a sophist type, um, you know, speaking what sounds to be the truth without actually just breaking down the simple truth. Um, this is where the Holy Spirit comes in. The Spirit is opposed to the world. It is opposed to deceitfulness and fallacious wisdom. So the, that is why Jesus says, which the world cannot receive, because the unspiritual man does not receive the gifts of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And that's from uh, St. Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Read that again. The unspiritual man does not receive the gifts of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. You know, it's interesting. Who is the unspiritual man? I think when we become too intellectual, and don't get me wrong, I love academics. Gosh, that's been my whole life. Whether I was studying, you know, high school, I just loved learning. Undergraduate, you're doing your, my pre-med studies and got nerdy scientific. You know, I went to seminary for a year, studied some philosophy. They're beautiful, um, how you can study philosophy. Uh, you know, you get in some theology. That's wonderful, too. Trying to understand the ins and outs of God. So beautiful. Back to medical school and all the sciences and you know, academics are great. Reading books and learning, gosh, the spiritual exercises. The actually say the academic exercises that can happen for the brain is great. Here is the problem with uh, academia or too much academia, is that as human beings we come we can very easily become um, so smart on ourselves that we lose the spiritual aspect. How do we know that? How do we know we can we can push the Holy Spirit away? How do we know that? Because we start focusing on the academics so much that all of a sudden we decide, you know what? There is no God. Science this is this is where all of a sudden we end up with a fallacy of science. Are you scientific? Do you believe in science or do you believe in God? There's no happy medium. That couldn't be further from the truth. That's all of a sudden because you know some formulas, you become your own God or something. That doesn't make sense. God is the one who put all these formulas out there. But we start to lose that sense of spirituality or that sense of awe or that sense of innocence when we start thinking that I can figure out God academically, I can figure out God by learning more, and we forget to experience the Holy Spirit in our lives and ask the Holy Spirit to just guide us and see what is God asking to me. All this academics is great, but what does that have to do with God? God made the academics, you know. Am I so unspiritual now because I'm academic? Um, or can I say, you know what, I'm going to be simple. This is what really, what this comes down to, and it reminds me of in terms of the spirit of truth, is it reminds me of all the Marian apparitions. You know, Our Lady comes down and she just asks us to pray and do penance. But who does she appear to? She doesn't appear to the academics. She doesn't appear to people who think that they are so much smarter because they have to analyze the message over and over and really get proof of whether Our Lady appeared or not. No, she appears to three shepherd children in, in, uh, in Fatima. She appears to a nice, uneducated uh, St. Bernadette in, in Lourdes and people who really did not have a whole lot of academia to block them from that spiritual knowledge, from being able to say, you know, this is pretty smart. Gosh, you want me to listen to the professors in college because they think they know something. I think I should listen to Our Lady too, because I think she has a whole lot to teach. And I think the Holy Spirit is telling me, this is the truth. 
I'm willing to die for this because the Holy Spirit is telling me this is so much the truth that nothing else matters. That's what I hope that the Holy Spirit does in our heart. So I love that title, Spirit of Truth. That's where that came from. Let's look at another one, Virtue of the Most High. This is the expression used by the angel at the Annunciation when he explains to Mary how the mystery of the Incarnation will be accomplished. In Luke chapter 1, verse 35, we see we hear, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So other gospel, and again in Luke chapter uh, 24, verse 49, he again refers to the Holy Spirit of the power from on high. You got to remember that love is power and love is powerful and we don't see it that way um so many times on our on our planet here because we would much rather argue that's our and sadly our human nature is that instead of taking a moment to just love each other and realize no you know these are the truths of christ and i'm not going to worry about you know who's right who's wrong because only god is right i'm going to argue with you instead of just saying you know what let the power of, of the holy spirit guide us here and guide us to the truth. And guess what? And if it is the truth, we're both going to come to the same conclusion. And it's going to be okay because it's not my truth or your truth. It's God the Father. It's the ultimate truth. It's Jesus Christ who says, I am the truth. It's God the Father. It's God the Son. And their love, the Holy Spirit, who brought us to understanding that. Let's look at another one that says, Finger of God. That's an interesting title. I don't think I've ever heard of that one before. But let's see what the article says. It says, In the hymn, Veni Creator Spiritus, the church designates the Holy Spirit with this mysterious expression, finger of the right hand of the Father. Well, after the break, folks, we're going to take a look at this. What does it mean that the Holy Spirit is the finger of God? And after that, just a few more titles um, to go through as we get to know our friend, the Holy Spirit. More after the break. Right, folks, well, welcome back to Burger Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. Today, we're talking about how do we bring the Holy Spirit back into our lives? Or if he's already there, keep him there. And if he's not there, how can we, we be more aware of him? One of the beautiful things about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit brings peace, wisdom, and removes all confusion. That's, I think, one of the biggest things we need right now as Catholics is removal of confusion. It seems like every time at the end of the year, something comes up where, you know, we start getting confused, we start infighting, we start wondering what is Catholic and what is Catholic teaching and what isn't. Well, we're going to start this year by asking the Holy Spirit to join us and to really fill our hearts. Here's a beautiful prayer. St. Augustine's prayer to the Holy Spirit goes like this. Breathe in me, O Holy Spirit that my thoughts may all be holy. Act in me, Holy Spirit, that my work too may be holy. Draw my heart, O Holy Spirit, that I love but what is holy. Strengthen me, O Holy Spirit, to defend all that is holy. Guard me then, O Holy Spirit, that that I always may be holy. Amen. Well, you know, that's interesting here. You know, Holy Spirit and holiness. Um, I wonder if we always equate that. You know, we think of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but, you know, do we understand it's the Holy Spirit? You know, when we see somebody, we say, oh, they're such a holy person. Oh, they're so much closer to Christ. Oh, this and that. You know, do we understand what it means to be holy? Do we understand that it wasn't, uh, it didn't happen overnight. They actually had to work at it. They had to strive to be holy. They have to make decisions every day. I like that about this prayer because 
St. Augustine is saying, hey, I can't do this on my own. I need the Holy Spirit to transform me. That's really what he's saying. And what I love about it is, obviously, you're listening to Dr. Sandoval show, welcome to the clinic, right? What do we focus on here? We focus on the mind, body, spirit. It's happening all at the same time. God made us creatures where we have a body, we have a soul, and we have a mind. And it's all three of these aspects have to be holy. They have to be in conjunction. I can't think holy thoughts, but do unholy things. It doesn't, it's not going to make for a good combination. And this prayer is beautiful. Look at, let's read it just one more time very quickly. Breathe in me, O Holy Spirit, that my thoughts may all be holy. Starts with a mind. Get my thoughts holy first. Let me start thinking holy. Act in me, Holy Spirit, that my work too may be holy. So we do this in therapy. All this is very therapeutic. We always say how, you know, our thoughts, feelings, and actions. First thing in here starts with your thoughts. Get some holy thoughts. If I have holy thoughts, my actions will be holy, right? And then the last part is we say, you know, your thoughts, your feelings, and your actions. So your thoughts, actions here. And then feelings, draw my heart, O Holy Spirit, that I love, but what is holy? It brings me back to uh, feelings of being holy. You know, a lot of times in therapy, we're dealing with feelings of sadness and anxiety and frustrations and things along those lines. But how many times do we go to therapy and think, I want to feel love? We usually think, you know, when most people come to me for therapy, they say, I, I want to stop feeling certain ways. But we don't stop to think, hey, maybe if I start feeling something, something else will go away. If I start feeling love, if I start focusing on love in my heart, then all this anxiety and all these other things will go away. Strengthen me, O Holy Spirit, to defend all that is holy, O Holy. And then it says, guard me then, O Holy Spirit, that I may always be holy. But this is St. Augustine, you know, in years before our modern time, already understanding thoughts, feelings, and actions, dedicating them to the Holy Spirit, asking the Holy Spirit to guide us. This is what we call CBT, um, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, thoughts, feelings, and actions. Bring the Holy Spirit into that. How can we not? And then we'll never go wrong. Well, let's look at a few more names of the Holy Spirit as we get to know who the Holy Spirit is. Before the break, we said that it was the finger of God, finger of the right hand of the Father. That's an interesting... Uh, Metaphor says it is a metaphor very rich in content and very fruitful in applications. Because in the fingers of the hand, especially the right hand, is all our constructive and creative power. This is why scripture places the power of God in his hand. And we always hear that too, in God's right hand, right? This is where things happen. The tablets of the old law were written by the finger of God. Which, and that's in Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 10. The heavens are the work of thy fingers. That's in Psalm chapter 8, 3. The magicians of Pharaoh had to recognize that in the wonders of Moses, there was the finger of God. You know, how many times, and that's in Exodus chapter 8, verse, verse uh, 15. How many times do we say, you know, God had a hand in this? And usually we refer to the right hand of God, God's finger. God had a hand in this. That's the Holy Spirit. It's when God is acting, God is all action. When God is acting in our lives, he's got a hand in it, and it is the Holy Spirit. What about Christ? Christ casts out demons by the finger of God. Check out Luke chapter uh, 11, verse 20 on that. That's beautiful right there. You know, especially in deliverance ministry, people are always wondering, how am I going to get rid of the devil? How am I going to do this? I think it comes down to, again, I'm not going to try to get rid of the devil. I'm going to try to focus more on bringing Christ in and bringing the Holy Spirit into my heart. The devil will go away. If all I'm doing is focusing on getting rid of the devil, I'm wasting my time because I'm battling the devil. Instead of saying, hey, I'm going to bring the Holy Spirit in my life. If I really want demons and the devil to go away, 
Just bring in the Holy Spirit. They'll naturally go away and I'll be all better for it. I always worry when people come for deliverance prayers, when people say, I want these curses to be broken. I want these demons to be out of my life. But they don't have a plan to bring the Holy Spirit in, to bring God into their lives. It's just a matter of, let's remove all this stuff. Well, it doesn't really work that way. You're going to remove all this, but just like in the Gospels, if you don't fill it with something else, it's going to be filled by the wrong things. Um, you know, the demons will come back. The question is, if I just start to fill my life with the Holy Spirit, am I going to have to worry about anything evil or demonic in my life? It says, uh, this expression applied to the Holy Spirit is therefore very appropriate, in other words, a finger of God, to signify that through Him, all wonders of God are accomplished, especially in the order of grace and sanctification. Remember, the Holy Spirit's the driving force behind creation. Guest of the soul. This is a beautiful, beautiful title to the Holy Spirit. We, I have heard this many a times where uh, he is the good guest, the guest of the soul. In the sequence of Pentecost, the article says the Holy Spirit is called sweet guest of the soul. The indwelling of God in the soul of the just corresponds equally to the three divine persons of the Blessed Trinity, since it is an operation, um, but it says add extra. If you want to look at John chapter uh, 14, verse 23, and 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 through 17. But since it is a work of love, and these are attributed in a special way to the Holy Spirit, he is considered in a very special way as the most sweet guest of our soul. Well, here's what's interesting. And one of the reasons I love the title, Guest of Our Soul, he is the guest, which tells me that we have to invite him in. You don't have a guest. In order for somebody to be a guest, they have to be invited. If I show up somewhere and I say, hi, I'm a guest, that means I was invited by the very nature of being the guest. The question is, are we inviting the Holy Spirit? You know, when do we invite the Holy Spirit? When, just when we speak up the truth of the Catholic faith. Just when we say, you know, I don't know about all these complex different ideas and different thoughts people have. I just know that God loves us and that I need to follow these Ten Commandments. And that's not always easy. But if I look at them and I follow them, I want to invite the Holy Spirit into my heart. Notice that the prayers of the Holy Spirit, you always say, come Holy Spirit. We're asking the Holy Spirit to come in. In the prayer that I read about St. Augustine, he's asking also the Holy Spirit, breathe in me, act in me. We have to ask the Holy Spirit to do these things because he is the guest. He's not going to come where he's not wanted. It's no different, I think, than when uh, we hear in the gospel that Christ couldn't perform miracles in his hometown because there was no faith. It's not that he doesn't want to perform miracles. God always wants to, um, you know, perform miracles in our lives, work in our lives. The question is, are we open to it? Do we invite him? Do we allow him to be our guest? It's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. Do I allow the Holy Spirit to be my guest? And I think a lot of times we might feel like, I got to wait till my house is perfect before I can invite God in. No, I think I need to invite God in the way uh, the Holy Spirit, in the same way that in the story of Martha and Mary, Mary was at Christ's you know, she was at his lap. She was listening to him. She was talking to him. And Martha was so worried about getting everything clean. God is saying, don't worry about getting it clean. That'll take care of itself. The important thing is, invite me in. I'm already here. I'm your guest. Are you talking to me? Are we having a good conversation? What about the seal? St. Paul says that we have been sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. And also that it is God who established us uh, with you in Christ and has commissioned us as he put his seal upon us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Part of the Holy Spirit is that that is how we know we are sealed with Christ. You know, in our baptism, uh, in our confirmation, 
we say we get the seal of the Holy Spirit, um, that's important to consider. When we ask the Holy Spirit to come into our lives, in our hearts, we are marked. I wonder how many people, um, if we were more open to the seal of the Holy Spirit, to the Holy Spirit uh, guiding the way and being in our hearts, how much of our depressions or anxieties would be lifted? How much of that would go away? You know, so many people ask me, how can I tell the difference between mental illness and um, being spiritually afflicted? Well, have you prayed to the Holy Spirit? Have you asked the Holy Spirit to seal you? Have you asked the Holy Spirit to come into your heart? Have you asked the Holy Spirit to guide all your thoughts and actions towards God? If you start doing that, then and you're having any spiritual affliction, I bet you those spiritual afflictions will go away. One of the challenging parts is that, believe it or not, some people actually like having spiritual afflictions. It's it's ironic, if you will. Um, but sometimes people feel like they need some excitement in their lives. And if that goes away, well, then where's my... Where's my mission? Where's my my focus? Well, believe it or not, God has a much more important mission to us than just fighting demons. I think it gets much more interesting when we actually start to work with the grace of God. And if we ask the Holy Spirit to come into our hearts, we're going to see that. A few more titles here, just three more. So one of them is Union, Nexus, Bond, or Kiss. These are the names that express the inseparable and very close union between the Father and the Son, as we've been saying, by virtue of the Holy Spirit, who proceeds from both by a common spiration of love. He is the union between the Father and the Son. He is that love. This is why with married couples, we say, hey, you represent the Trinity. You know, the Father, the Son, the love of them, the love of the couple is going to produce hopefully children in a family. And that's because of how intense that love is. It reminds us that love actually does things. Love is action. Love is something we do for each other. And that's the Father and the Son, their union, their bond, as we said before, Love is so intense, it gets personified. What about these? Living fountain, fire, charity, spiritual anointing. These are expressions of the hymn, Veni Creator, which fit very well with the character and personality of the Holy Spirit. Well, we always know the Holy Spirit as fire. We know him as charity. We know him as a living fountain. Um, and that's important. When it came time to Pentecost, we always see the tongues of fire over the heads of the apostles. Now, the last title is given here. Most blessed light, father of the poor, giver of gifts, light of hearts. All these expressions are applied to the church, or excuse me, by the church to the Holy Spirit in the magnificent sequence of Pentecost, um, Veni Sancta Spiritus. So it's important to understand that the Holy Spirit carries many, many titles. We need to go back and realize who is the Holy Spirit? What can he do in my life? And as I pray to him, you know, am I using these gifts appropriately? Am I truly seeing? the love of Christ in my heart. Well, folks, we're coming here at the end of the show, but I would say is in this year, 2024, let's bring the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Let's go and make an extra effort to go to Holy Hour. Let's go and be and uh, spending time before our Lord. Let us try to be holy, but we're not going to be holy without help. Can't do it on my own, that's for sure. And we know that we have our helper, the Spirit of Truth, the Creator Spirit, the Paraclete, and he will come into our hearts and help us. Until next time, folks, bring the Holy Spirit in your hearts. And this is Dr. Sandoval today. Let's keep it Catholic. <laughs>